0: where people may not know each other prior, but they come to that space for a particular purpose. So it might be for a passion or an interest, a need. Come together for a common purpose. And in that regard, everybody is deemed an expert and it's a non-hierarchical um, platform for people to share. You're listening to a Core Education podcast, pushing the boundaries of educational possibility.
1: Ko White Talk, Kia ora, everybody. Anudu White here for another Core Education podcast, and today joined by Tessa Gray. Kia ora Tessa.
0: Kia ora Anudu.
1: Hey Tessa, first time we've had a podcast uh, together. Looking forward to this chat. But Tessa, first thing, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: About myself, I'm Utamonga. Marwataonga, Kaituna Tiawa, Kopa Katiwi, Tessa Gray. Thanks for having me, Analee. I um, work in the gorgeous sunny Bay of Plenty. In fact, we've had three days of sun, which is a bit lucky for us. <laughs> and I work online. <laughs> Point six of my role is working for the virtual learning network. Some of you might be already in there. Um, and the very new community of practice that CORE has developed called Edspace. So both spaces, I'm a proactive online facilitator and thoroughly enjoy working there.
1: Kia ora, Tessa. Carry on from that, what you just said about those different spaces that you work in. And I suppose a lot of conversations around when you talk about engaging in professional learning networks, etc. One thing that I want to ask you is what's the difference between a social network and an online community?
0: Mm, That's a really good question. Look, in regards to both of those communities, the virtual learning network and Edspace, they have been primarily set up as professional learning communities. So anyone is invited to come along, anyone is invited to engage and contribute and to benefit from being in that community. Primary difference between an online community and a social network is that we, by default, belong in social networks anyway. We have whānau, family, um, colleagues, friends, And when that becomes an online space, you'll find us using tools like Twitter and Facebook and even blogging platforms and Ning, and they become kind of multi nodal networks by association. The beautiful thing about an online professional learning community or an online community is that it's actually been created where people may not know each other prior but they come to that space for a particular purpose. So it might be for a passion or an interest, a need, learning community as part of your, um, your work or your mahi. And in the case of both of those communities, they've been primarily set up to encourage New Zealand educators from all around Aotearoa to talk together to try and, um, to try and share good stories of effective practice so that would enable people to think, golly there's something in that that I'd like to try myself or there might be something shared that could change hearts and minds or ultimately even a practice in the classroom. So the idea that it's all non-hierarchical, um, a couple of years back, Core Education published a ten, one of the 10 trends was on networked organizations. Talks about the fact that people can come from anywhere at any time, uh, surpass any time barriers or geographical barriers and come together for a common purpose. And in that regard, everybody is deemed an expert and it's a non-hierarchical platform for people to share.
1: And I guess probably one of the points I just want to pick up now is that you say that it's a community that's been established around perhaps a similar passion of different educators in this case, and you don't actually know uh, everybody uh, in that community. And therefore, there's all those questions about engaging with that community and therefore, Tessa, just to finish off, do you have a uh, story to share about a school, a community, or perhaps uh, an individual who's engaged with one of these online communities and how it's helped to support a practice?
0: Yeah, yeah, good point, Anadu. I think um, the one premise being there that because it is open to anyone in that community and that the platform has been mm. uh, created in such a way that people can discuss and um, you know, post discussion posts or blog posts uh, and then invite other people to join in, jump in, share, those particular spaces have enabled teachers to come together to collaborate. And to collaborate to make things that didn't exist before, shared Google presentations have been created where people have Mm. dived in and added their own resources per slide and people could take that as a takeaway for themselves around a number of different contexts like professional inquiry, uh, maybe even applying for jobs and teaching positions, what would be in a kit for a future focused learner, that sort of thing. And in other contexts, people have posed problems and then asked for support. So it might be a resource around the new codes and standards. It might be ways to infuse appraisal with teacher inquiry in a digital platform. So when people do come together in those online communities, they will often socialise, get to know each other, Mm -hmm. uh, and then they might share a story or an experience, and then they might share some resources, etc. So one really good example was where a colleague of mine was working in a school with a teacher. She had shared, in this case, the virtual learning network because it's been around a little bit longer than um, Edspace, which is very Mm -hmm. new. And that particular person had said, "Look, I'm a self-proclaimed newbie. I I don't feel that confident to go into the VLN. In fact, she called herself a self-professed dinosaur. And that particular facilitator touched on something they were doing for a teacher-led innovation uh, initiative fund, looking at research into play-based learning. Mm. And, And that teacher had always felt up to that point that they were a little bit isolated with that thinking, and it wasn't always something that was echoed or amplified in her own particular school. So what she was really looking for was other people to connect with, with like-minded ideas about how play-based learning could really make a difference for their learners. And in this case, it was for Māori and Pacifica learners that transitioned from early childhood to to school learning. So what the Virtual Learning Network did was enable that person to belong to a group that had been set up called Play-Based Learning. Um, Once she had dived in there, she asked a question and said, you know, I'm part of a research group, I'm looking into uh, using this sort of methodology a little bit more in my school, can anyone offer another school to visit? Somebody else dived in and said, look, we're doing it at our school, you're most welcome to come and visit. Uh, These are the kind of resources we're looking at. There was another person who dived in and said, look, what does your weekly timetable look like? What kind of activities would you have structured before or after lunch? You know, how's it working for you? What issues are you having? People dived in from different, different, early, uh, from different school mm-hmm. um, contexts and added their stories to that as well. What made that particular story very exciting was that somebody had quoted a piece of core education research where one of our very own colleagues, Kieran Davis, had written a piece on um, early childhood and play-based learning. Mm. When Kieran dived into that thread, the teachers were more than excited. They had first-hand contact with somebody that had some very rigorous research around what they were trying to do. So it gave their conversation validity, it gave them a voice, and it gave them the confidence to keep talking about it. Because up to that point, they had voiced to me that they were whispering in corridors and trying to implement this whole new practice where they didn't feel it was supported or research-based. So in that teacher-led innovation, Mm fund um, they um, had that as a focus and then all of a sudden their network grew the stories that were then told about people trialing new ideas because someone had offered a, a, a template or an idea or a resource or a timetable structure or a framework for them to trial the conversations that happened after that also happened offline they ended up going oh. to cafes and carried on the network that way as well
1: kia ora, tessa and just to conclude from here, what would be uh, your kind of call to action, your top tip for people out there wanting to engage in these online communities?
0: Yeah, thanks, Anudu. Um, I think, you know, the fact that we're all coming together to, um, for a common purpose means that we can co-construct content or we can create things that weren't there before. So mm. the idea that we can um, be a part of that community is the one call for action I would say is come along. Join us. Join Edspace. Join the Virtual Learning Network. Have a little look around. See what that community has been talking about and how it relates to you. And if you have a query or a question, um, a passion or an interest or a wondering, then just type it in in the um, search box and see what you can find that matches your needs. And the other idea there is that if something doesn't exist, start a conversation. Start a thread. It's all good. No worries and don't be scared You've been listening to a Core Education podcast, pushing the boundaries of educational possibility.